Good morning. Um, the first song we're going to sing this morning is How Great Is Our God. I think the words are in your bulletin, and I think they'll also be on the screen. Heather for uh, starting the service off with music and song. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Glad to see you all here. And a special welcome to visitors that might have come. We're always happy to have you. And to the those that will tune in later on uh, via the media, uh, we hope that this Sunday morning service will be a blessing to you. 
I feel that we're still in the Thanksgiving period for gatherings, even though it was officially last Sunday. Uh, at our family, we celebrated Thanksgiving last Sunday then, and all were present but one uh, of our four-generation family. And I took the opportunity to ask them, what are you most thankful for during this last uh, year? And the answers uh, varied quite a bit. Um, but what I did hear was uh, they were thankful for Jesus, for parents, and for family. And uh, because of the situation in our family with the baby, thankful for all the prayer support and healing for baby Drew, and how everything turned out so well in restoring her immunity. So we were very thankful for that. I am reminded in, of uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18, where it says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So as we consider the events that are happening around us and in the world, let's be thankful that we can gather peacefully as believers in Christ, sing praises, and receive messages from the Word of God. This morning, let's uh, stand to pray and close with the Lord's Prayer. So please stand with me. Lord, we come before you with grateful hearts to praise you in song and receive the message that you have for us. Thank you that you rejoice over us with gladness. Thank you that you give guidance through your Holy Spirit and wisdom to those who ask. Today we come before you as you taught us how to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those that trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and forever. Amen. Please be seated. Oh, actually, I was going to invite you to stand, so. But if you would like to sit, that's fine. The words are in your bulletin, so if you have trouble seeing the screen, you can, you can use the words in your bulletin. But let's, uh, let's continue worship in song here.
be seated. Let's take a quick look at uh, our bulletin and turn to page two. We have an expression of sympathy. Uh, Nettie Fair passed away October the 4th and the funeral was held Wednesday. So please remember her family in prayer. Our missionaries of the week are K&K. On uh, the central station, which we also support, uh, this is a community center which offers support for a huge variety of needs, be they food, housing, financial counseling, family, family issues, just to name a few. And uh, they're very active. Also, we have hired Ashley Elias as our new secretary treasurer, uh, secretary, not treasurer, secretary. Please give her a warm welcome when you meet her. Uh, this coming Tuesday is our missions uh, dine-in supper here in the church from five to seven. And if you're able to help, it would be much appreciated. Um, and there's uh, papers in the foyer to uh, let, uh, put on your names. And then starting Friday till Sunday, the Answers in Genesis Conference will take place in this church here. Then on to page three. Persons with health needs are in Boundary Trails, Hildeham, and it states Dorothy Giesbrecht, but she's currently at home, but still appreciates prayers. There's Dave Weeb in Notre Dame, Mary Duick and John Suderman in Swan Lake, and Abe Friesen in Manitou Care Home. And um, I was told that John Thiessen uh, was uh, in the Boundary Trails Hospital during the week, but he was able to return, return home on Friday. So uh, keep them all in prayer. We have some anniversaries that are worthy of noting, and remember to congratulate them when you have the opportunity. And I will leave the rest of the bulletin for you to review on your own. As we go into prayer, I would like to give you an opportunity for silent prayer. Our world situation is in great need of prayers. And now the new conflict in the Middle East is of great concern. Also, I am sure we all know someone in special need of prayers too. Let's take this moment to reach out to our Lord in prayer. Let us pray. Lord, we come to you reminded that there are many that are in need of your intervention, assurance, and comfort. Hear our silent prayers now as we reach out to you.
Lord, we thank you that we can come to you with our concerns in prayer and that you are near and hear us. Today, we also bring before you Hilda Hamm, Dorothy Giesbrecht, Mary Duick, John Suderman, Dave Weave, and Abe Friesen, and also John Thiessen. Lord, you know each one's needs. Comfort them with your assurance that they are not alone, but you are there with them in their life's journey. Lord, we pray that you bring comfort and assurance of your love to the Fair family as they mourn the passing of Nettie. We pray for K and K as they minister in the mission field in the building of your kingdom. Thank you, Lord, for bringing to us Ashley Elias to perform the duties as church secretary. Guide her in her work, and may she be blessed and be a blessing to the church. Thank you, Lord, that you have inspired Pastor Dean to speak to us on the importance of our faithfulness to you. Give him the words to speak and open our hearts to receive the message. Now, as we share of the bounty entrusted to us, receive our offering, and may the giving be a blessing in the building of your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Ushers, please come forward to receive the offering. And Heather will give us more of her music. I want to read from 2 Corinthians chapter 6, starting with verse 3. So, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, 
verse 3. Paul's hardships. We put no stumbling block in anyone's path so that our ministry will not be discredited. Rather, as servants of God, we command ourselves in very way, in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, hardships, and distresses, in beatings, imprisonments, and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights, and hunger, in purity, understanding, patience, and kindness, in the Holy Spirit, and in the sincere love, in truthful speech, and in the power of God, with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left, through glory and dishonor, bad report and good report, genuine, yet regarded as impostors, known, yet regarded as unknown, dying, and yet we live on, beaten, and yet not killed, sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, poor, yet making many rich, having nothing, and yet possessing everything. We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians, and opened wide our hearts to to you. We are not withholding our affection from you, but you are withholding yours from us. As a fair exchange, I speak as to my children. Open wide your hearts also. That's far as reading. As we were singing the song this morning, The Goodness of God, the words of the chorus goes, All my life you have been faithful. God has been faithful all of our, of our lives. We also all experience God a little bit different, differently in God's faithfulness. For some of us, there have been loss. For some of us, our health is not there. For some of us, we've gone through deep waters. Whatever it may be, we've experienced that. But in all of that, God has been faithful. God has been faithful. All my life, you have been so, so good. In the midst of our hardship, do we stop and thank the Lord that he is faithful? Always faithful. He gives us what we need, not what we want. And we would experience the faithful of God, faithfulness of God differently than they do in third world countries or in countries where there is war or in countries where they are persecuted for their faith. In all of this, God is faithful. He's faithful all the way. And because of that, we can sing of the goodness of God. Ben Patterson in his book, Waiting, Finding Hope When God Seems Silent, writes this about the foundation of faith. He says, the foundation of faith is a firm conviction regarding three things about God. There's three things about God. His perfect love, his perfect wisdom, and his perfect power. Like a three-legged stool, no combination of the two will do. There must be all three for faith to stand upon. A strong faith believes that God's will is only what is best for us that's in his love. Believes that God's will, or pardon me, he know, uh, that he knows what is best for us in his wisdom and that he is able to do what is best for us 
by his power. God will always do what is best for us. Before we can remain faithful at all times, we must have faith in God. If we don't have faith in God, we can't be faithful ourselves. According to Romans 10:17, Paul states emphatically, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. If we focus on the word of God, we, as we read it daily, we will grow in our faith and become more faithful as we apply it to our lives. Many years ago, a friend of mine uh, and his wife uh, were youth group leaders. They had taken some business courses, and in those business courses, it said this, that if you really want something in life, such as a car or a house, you should post that on your mirror and look at that every day and plan to get that and do everything what you can to get it. Well, he knew very well that the car and the houses are passing away. Instead, he took up verses, he stuck them, him and his wife stuck them on their mirror, and they would look at those verses all the time. As they would read those verses each and every day, every time they would go into the washroom, for whatever reason, they would look there, and there it was, God's word, and that would mold and cultivate their lives. As they read these verses daily, they focused upon God's word, which changed their lives. Wow, focusing on what ultimately matters in life, God's word was, the, was a great idea on how to remain faithful to the Lord. How do we remain faithful? By going to him. In Hebrews chapter 11, the author lists the heroes of the faith of the Old Testament and the definition of faith at the same time. Let me just quickly read this passage as a background to help us understand more about faith. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what, what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith, Abel offered, God, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offering. And by faith, he still speaks, even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. That's an interesting part right there, verse 6. And without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. If you don't believe that he exists, you will not pray. You will not seek him. You have to believe that. 
By faith, Noah, when warned about the things not yet seen in the holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir, heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. And righteousness comes by faith. Salvation comes by faith. Without faith, we can't please God. Without faith, we can't do anything that God will assist us in. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he could, he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to a city with a foundation who architect and the builder is God. We will not read this whole chapter. Many others who lived and lived by faith are mentioned here. These are the people that are included in the rest of the chapter. Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Rahab the prostitute, Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets. All these people lived in the pre-Christian era, lived by faithfulness. They were faithful, not because they had great faith, but because they had faith in a great God. And they knew God, and they knew the power that he had. This morning, as we examine part three of the five, five reasons to remain faithful at all times, we want to look at additional point. Before doing this, let's quickly review the first three points found in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 3 through 7. Five reasons to remain faithful in all times. Number one, the gospel is at stake. We put no stumbling block in anyone's path, the apostle Paul says in verse 3, so that our ministry will not be discredited. As Paul and his associates traveled proclaiming the gospel, they took special precautions to be good examples. That was so that no one could make the excuse for not accepting the gospel because he and his team were unfaithful to the Lord. They were faithful to the Lord. They walked with God. Secondly, five reasons to remain faithful to the Lord. Number two, we are servants of Christ. We are servants of Christ. Number Verse four to five says this, rather as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, hardships, and distresses, in beatings, imprisonments and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights, and hunger. Therefore, we are called to be obedient to whatever the Lord asks us, to wherever he sends up, whether it is trouble or hardships, or whether it is suffering. We may endure because God is faithful. 
The third reason we are to remain faithful in all times is because we are strengthened by God's might, verses six and seven. That is so true. It is impossible to live the Christian life without his strength. Verse six says, in purity, understanding, patience, and kindness, in the Holy Spirit and in sincere love, in truth, speech, and in the power of God, with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left hand. Once again, as in the preceding verses, Paul is not randomly or arbitrarily listing virtues of the Christian believer of his life. Instead, these are eight qualities that, are aced, that were listed in couplets that we looked at last week and are impossible to live out in one strength. You can't do it by yourself. That's why we need God's strength every day. We need him in the morning, we need him in the afternoon, we need him in the evening, we need him while we sleep. For if God ever took his hand away from us, it would be over, it is done. Now we come to the fourth reason to remain faithful, remaining faithful in all times. Number four, because there is always good found in every hardship and negative experience, verses eight through 10. There is always good found in every hardship and negative experience. We don't like the idea because we all go through hardships at some time. And we don't believe that anything good can be found in them. Listen to verse 8 again. Through glory and dishonor, bad report, good report, genuine yet regarded as impostors, known yet regarded as unknown, dying and yet we live on, beaten yet not killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making rich, having nothing yet possessing everything. Paul lists nine paradoxical paradoxical statements in these verses, verses eight through 10. The Tyndale Bible Dictionary states this about paradox. What is a paradox? Have you asked yourself? Sometimes we think we know, but we maybe don't know the exact definition. Paradox as a form of expression that seems to be either self-contradictory or absurd, but at another level passes, expresses fundamental truth. It often employed to get the hearer to think at a deeper and more critical level. It may often be closely related to hyperbole. And what's hyperbole? It's an exaggerated statement, except that for the paradox, there is an apparent element of contradiction which arrests attention and demands consideration. And as you listen to it, Jesus used this many times. And people would often think about it, maybe not even understand it, but it was to get their attention. On the surface, a paradoxical statement looks contradictory, but will contain a great truth. And that's what we want to learn, the great truths that are found in these statements of paradox that we will be looking at this morning. The first statement Paul expresses in verse eight, through glory and dishonor. 
He was being faithful to the Lord through glory and dishonor. When Paul went to proclaim the gospel, he had contradictory responses to the message and how he was proclaiming it. Some people loved his message and uh, loved his message and they loved Paul. Others hated the good news and they hated who was the deliverer. In either case, Paul needed to keep humble whether he was praised and when he and the gospel were torn apart, he needed to keep encouraged. So there was being humble and at the same time not being discouraged because that will come to both of us. That will come to all of us where we could be proud or we could be torn down so much where you get discouraged and you want to give up. You want to quit. In the next statement, Paul says bad report and good report. Paul did not have an easy life. Outsiders slandered him according to 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13. He says this, when we are slandered, we answer kindly. Up to this moment, we have become the scum of the earth, the refuse of the world. The scum of the earth. This is how outsiders looked at Christians. And then the refuse of the world. That's the excretions of people. In other words, we were the lowest that possibly could be the lowest in all the world. As the world looked at those who were Christians. And they looked at Paul that way. Then there were others in the church who gave bad report, twisting the things that he had said in Romans 3, verse 8. Why not say, as we are being slanderously reported, as saying and, at the, and as some claim that we say, let us do evil that the good may result. They took the things that Paul said and they twisted them and they gave bad reports about him. However, on the other hand, there were good reports of the ministry, and the church willingly accepted him, the churches that he planted. In Galatians 4, verse 14, Paul says, even though my illness was a trial to you, you did not treat me with contempt or scorn. Instead, you welcomed me as if I were an angel of God or as if I were Christ himself. Paul experienced both sides of the spectrum. He experienced the bad reports. He experienced the good reports. The next Next, Paul says, genuine yet regarded as imposters. Genuine yet regarded as imposter. Paul and his traveling companions were genuine apostles and believers in the Lord. They walked with the Lord. The Lord was in them doing the things, and yet others said that they were imposters. Paul defends himself in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Verse one and two, am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are you not the result of my work in the Lord? 
Even though I may be an apostle to others, surely I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. The apostle Paul planted this church as he planted many churches. He was an apostle. First he had gone to the Jews. The Jews rejected Paul the same way they rejected Christ. And he then went to the Gentiles. He went to proclaim the gospel. In verse 9, Paul lists additional three paradoxical statements, known yet regarded as unknown, known and yet regarded as unknown. Undoubtedly, many people serve the Lord in obscure locations where they are not known by anyone by the rest of the world. In other words, they're serving the Lord, and most of us don't even know that they even exist. But they are known by God. God knows the unknown person. He knows the unknown person in our church. Are there unknown people? Yeah, there are people who serve in different capacities and nobody even realizes that they are serving. They're unknown by the rest of the congregation. They're unknown by other Christians. They're unknown by the world, but they are known by God. There's nothing more important. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. It matters what the Lord thinks. Nothing more is needed when a believer is known by God. Then Paul says, dying and yet we live on. How is that possible? Paul put it together beautifully in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. He says this, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. There comes a point sometimes in our lives that we despair of life. Maybe our body is racked with pain. Maybe perhaps it's not, but we have problems in other areas. Maybe we're trying to make it financially and we find it so hard and the money just doesn't seem to come in. Maybe we have problems with our family and with people within our family who don't know the Lord. And you think to yourselves, if only they would know and you feel like giving up, how long must I pray? Perhaps it's with sickness with somebody in your family or perhaps with yourself. And you think to yourself, how can I keep on going? Have you ever been really sick? And I'm sure you have. I remember times when I had the flu and I was so sick. And you know, at that time, if God would say, do you want to come home? I would say yes. I would say yes. And maybe some of us are going through those deep waters. And we would like to say yes if God asked us if we should come home. Then Paul goes on, indeed in our hearts we felt the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves but on God who raises the dead. It's actually these hard times that God works in our lives that we realize that we need to rely on him. We need to rely on him and not ourselves, but we rely on ourselves in good times. When the things are going, we don't need God. We don't need to pray as much. We don't need to do as much. We can take life easy, 
But I tell you, when the hard times come, it's either God or nothing. Because in those times, no one else can help, but only God is there. Paul says, yet we live in 2 Corinthians 1, or 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. It says this, he has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. God will deliver us as we continue to trust. In the last phase, phrase of verse 9, Paul said, beaten yet not killed. Paul knew all about this. And it is as he looks back at verse 5 in this passage, he says this. Paul says, in beatings, imprisonments, and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights, and hunger. He was beaten, yet not killed. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 8 through 9, we are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. In verse 10, Paul says, sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. No matter how horrible the situation was, his focus was on the Lord. Remember how Paul responded in Acts chapter 16, verses 23 through 25. I'm going to read these verses. Remember everything that Paul is speaking about here, he has gone through himself. He has experienced it all, so he's not giving just advice on how to accept the hardships that come along in life. He lived it himself, and he trusted Christ. Acts chapter 16, verses 23 through 25. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Upon receiving such orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet to the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. I wonder what the other prisoners were thinking at this time. They realized that they had been severely flogged, beaten, and now they were singing hymns and praising God. How about you and I? When we've gone through the mill, do we sing like sing? Do we feel like singing praises to God in hymns and in songs? Do we feel like reading the word? Paul certainly did, and he did just that. And there was no one else to listen other than who was chained to him and the people from the outside. And they must have known there's something different about these men. There is something different about these men. If we read the rest of the story, we would find that an angel came, the, the doors of dungeons flung open, and they were allowed to go. This is the life that Paul lived. And now he could say to the Philippians, 
What did he say to the Philippians? He said, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. We need to rejoice even in our hardships and our difficulties. We need to rejoice when things are going well. And sometimes when things are going well, we rejoice so much that we just forget about God. Let us always have God as our focus. Now, Paul makes two last paradoxical statements. Poor, yet making rich. Having nothing, yet possessing everything. Poor, yet making rich. Paul completely understood what it was like to be poor. He knew it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 11, he says, To this very hour, we go hungry and thirsty. We are in rags. We are brutally treated. We are homeless. Paul was a homeless person. He didn't have a home to call himself, to call his. He didn't have the proper clothes. He dressed in rags. And he didn't have the proper to food to eat many times. And yet God met every one of his needs. However, he was made rich, but he was made rich in another way. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 8, Paul states, Although I am less than the least of God's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. He made others rich by preaching to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Do you realize that when we come and become citizens of heaven, we take on a new dimension? That dimension is that Christ lives within us. Not only that, but there's an inheritance that Christ will give each one of the saints on that day when we stand before him. And it will be the riches of Christ. Finally, having nothing and yet possessing everything, as Paul traveled proclaiming the gospel, he gave up everything. He gave up everything. He worked with his hands and depended upon the support of the churches in order to carry the gospel out. He was dependent upon others, and he worked night and day as hard as he could to also to provide with the skill that the Lord had blessed him with. Yet he said he was possessing everything. He had nothing. He possessed everything. How was that? In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, he says this, Praise be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realm with every spiritual blessing of Christ. He was blessed in the heavenly realm with every spiritual blessing of Christ. Paul understood that he possessed Christ and that when he possessed Christ, he had everything because he knew the creator of everything. He knew the creator of the universe and Christ was everything to him. 
I've given this quote in the past before by C.S. Lewis in The Weight of Glory, his book, The Weight of Glory. He says, he who has God and everything else has no more than he who has God only. Sometimes we don't believe that. When Rockefeller, one of the first billion billionaires, was asked, how much does it take to make you happy? He said, just a little bit more. And sometimes we think we'll be happier if we just had a little bit more. We have everything in Christ, and we can't be happy, and we can't have joy without Christ. Without Christ, there is no joy. And that's what every believer needs, is joy. So what does it mean to remain faithful at all times? It means that we must become totally dependent upon the Lord. First, God has been faithful. Because he, been, he is faithful, we can be faithful back. But it will come with a dependence upon him. Without a dependence upon him, we cannot be faithful. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. And I trust that as you walk with the Lord, you allow the hard times to mold you into the person that God wants you to be. Even in those hard times, that's when we rely upon God, and that's when Jesus becomes everything to us. The last song that we'll sing is uh, His Mercy is More. We'll sing it through, and then Pastor Dean will come up and give the benediction, and then we'll sing the chorus one more time. Praise the Lord. 
riches. What riches of kindness he lavished on us. His blood was the payment, his life was the cost. We stood neath a debt we could never afford. Our sins, they are many, his mercy is more. Praise the Lord, his mercy is more. Stronger than darkness, new every morn, our sins. Let's stand as we pray together and close the service. Gracious God, we thank you for your love that you have shed upon us. You've called us to be faithful, and it's impossible to be faithful without your strength. We would ask that you would work in the midst of our hardships and our trials, our tribulations, as well as in the good times. As we look at you, we can see that you are faithful. You've been faithful to us each step of the way. And we pray that you would continue to walk with us, give us the strength, the love we need, and walk with us day by day. Help us, Lord, when we are weak. For when we are weak, we become strong when we depend upon you. And Lord, we think of all the paradox, doctrinal statements that are made in the scriptures, but they are true. We are strong when we are weak. We can love when we depend upon you. And when we die to ourselves, we live forever. Thank you, Lord, that you go before us. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us that your ways may be known on the earth, your salvation among all nations. Amen. Sing praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. His mercy is more. Sins they are men.